Thank you for choosing our podcast to listen to this morning. My name is George, pastor of Tuolumne Community Baptist Church here in Tuolumne, California. We're so blessed that you've tuned in. Um, Last week I got so busy with my Sunday morning preparations here at the church that I I didn't find the time to um, do an introduction to last week's podcast. But the podcast was still there, and I hope that it was still interesting. This is just a time that I have that I can actually spend with you. I'm not standing before the church right now, uh, getting ready to preach. I'm, I'm just talking to you. It's just you and me and the Word of God. And I hope that you find this podcast to be a blessing. I hope that it helps you and strengthens you. Uh, we're just human beings and we're in a life that is a very difficult life to live. At times, uh, it almost seems impossible, but we carry on. We move on each and every day with God's help. This whole uh, series on King David has been one that um, is so full of twists and turns, and uh, you, you wonder about the decisions that David makes. But uh, it, it helps us in our, our decision-making factors that we have in our lives. So I hope that you enjoy. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Um, it's, it's a good one. It, it's all good when you're talking about the life of King David. I hope you enjoy. Let me know. Make contact with us. Send us an email, Senior at gmail.com, or you can start a podcast here with Anchor and communicate on the Anchor app. Um, give us a call. Uh, whatever. Um, we would love to hear from you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the message today. I'm not sure how many of you are picking up on the podcast, but uh, I just asked my friend, da- my friend Damon there, I said, are you keeping up on the podcast? And he said, yes, I am. So, you know, he's been gone for a few weeks, but he hasn't missed a thing. He's been right there in the Word, where we've been. We're still in 2 Samuel, chapter 5. This has been a series on King David, the life of King David. What an incredible adventure it's been for me. I hope it's been for you. And we got a ways to go. We haven't arrived yet. Even though King David is now the king over all of Israel, He still hasn't arrived. So we're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 5 today, and this one speaks so much to me. I, I hope and pray that it will speak to you too. So let's start with verse 1, chapter 5. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one, David. You were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel. You will become their ruler. Verse 3, it says, When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed him again 
Now, last week we talked about this was the third time that David's been anointed, and we talked about the, the phases of our Christianity and the anointing that's on our life. This week I'm going to address the fact that there was a covenant. After seeing this word covenant and thinking about it, I realized that here in the near future I'm going to teach a sermon series on the covenant. Because if we don't understand our covenant that we have with a living God, there's no way, Chad, there's no way that we can understand why I say he's going to do what he said he would do. We just, our minds just simply can't handle it. But you have to understand this thing called the covenant. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years, six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned over Israel and Judah 33 years. So let's talk about this covenant thing for just a minute. Since the beginning of time, God made the covenant with Abraham, and before that, man actually created this covenant thing between two men or even between two tribes because there was no way that a, a man could understand. If I made a covenant with you, Chad, we go into, they would go into a blood covenant where they would actually cut an animal into two and make an alleyway, and they would walk through the blood. And as they walked through the blood, they would recite what one was going to do for the other. You had the green family that says, we can grow food like nobody's business, and we will grow food. And then you have the Berg family over here. We're warriors. We will defend you. We'll keep everybody away from the food. Your job is to feed us. Our job is to defend you. And they would come together in this covenant, and they would become the Greenberg family. You ever seen names in our society today where there's like two names put together? It all stems back from the covenant. And so David made a covenant with the people of Israel, and I'm sure the covenant was, I'll be your king, and I will rule over you fairly and appropriately. And the people would say, we'll honor you as our king. I'm sure there was a grand ceremony in this covenant. But this is what man had made up this covenant tradition so that one man could trust another man. And if you broke your covenant, you could literally kill that person because they broke their covenant. This is where the marriage ceremony comes from. You know, we ought to be able to kill our spouse if they break that. Oh, never mind. Never mind. I, I didn't go there. But, you know, this is where it comes from that we make a, a covenant. Whether things are good or whether things are bad, it, it's a covenant that we make. So God chose to use this very thing that man understood with Abraham, who was a man, to go into a covenant so that he could trust God, a God that he could not see. How do you think Abraham actually went up on that mountain with Isaac with intention to kill him? Because God said to make that boy a sacrifice. He knew. That's huge, isn't it, Damon? How do you do that? We can't unless you understand a covenant. He knew that God was going to do one of two things. Raise that boy from the dead or it wouldn't happen. Whatever it was, he was bound and set in his mind, I'm going to do exactly and precisely what God has called me and told me to do. 
because he trusted God. He had a covenant. If God breaks a covenant, he's going to explode. And guess what? Everything's going to go with him. He, he, he can't break a covenant. So that's what the covenant was all about with David and Israel. So now the title of my message today is David Takes Jerusalem. This is one of the very first things that he does after he's been now anointed king and is in covenant contract with the Israelis. So let's look at verse 6. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, You will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. Because they thought David cannot get in there. This is an amazing story. Was this a bit of sarcasm, you think, on their part? Hey, 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 David, even our blind and our lame. So who are these guys? Who are these Jebusites? According to the table of nations in Genesis 10, the Jebusites were descendants from Noah's son Ham, through his son Canaan. They were one of the Amorite tribes who were placed under judgment by God for their wickedness. That's in Genesis 15. God described their pagan worship as abominable practices in Deuteronomy, which may have included child sacrifice. As a result of that judgment, God told the Israelites to exterminate all the Amorite tribes when they came into the land. The Israelites were also forbidden to intermarry with them so the Jebusites would not pass on their pagan practices. So, with, so what about this statement, the blind and the lame? Was that just sarcasm towards David, or did they have a plan? And I'm going to tell you, the Jebusites had a very unique, sick little plan. Let me tell you what it was. They put the blind and the lame on the city wall. They had a city wall that they had built all the way around the city, and they put the blind and the lame on it as their guards. Why would they do that? Well, they realized that the blind had a really incredible sense of hearing. They couldn't see anything, but they could also not see when it's dark. But they could hear. They could hear the grass move. They could hear the trees rustle. They could hear things going on. And so when they would hear something going on, they would try to get out of there, but the lame couldn't move. So the lame was the alarm. They would start screaming, people are coming, people are coming, they're coming, they're coming. And the lame sat there on the wall. They couldn't do anything. I mean, the best that they have in technology at this time was maybe a bow and arrow. And I don't think they had many of that. So this was their alarm system that they had set up. It's kind of ingenious uh, for the Jebusites to have done that. And I believe that there was a little bit of insult in that statement. David, you can't even take the blind and lame because you can't get in here. But I love the very next verse, and I, I hopefully I put it on the screen, uh, Samuel 7. I took it from the Message Bible because I just love it. But David went right ahead and captured the fortress of Zion, ever known since as City of David. 
So how do you do it? How does this happen? Well, on that very day, verse 8, David said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and those blind who are David's enemies. That is why they say the blind and the lame will not enter the palace. Well, I believe this was a little bit of sarcasm on David's part. He was shooting back with a little bit of sarcasm. He knows the blind and the lame are not his enemies. Come on. But people actually say about this perplexing part that's in the Bible, they say, you see, King David, he hates the blind and he hates the lame. You see, and that's how Christians, Christians are. You know, they hate anybody that's, everybody's got to be healed. Everybody's got to be right. They, we just hate blind people and lame people. That's so far from the truth. People will take the word of God and try to twist it. So I believe the Jebusites were taunting with David a little bit. But there are a lot of people who use this as justification, saying that David hated the blind and the lame. So let's look at this story that was also recorded in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 11, verse 4. David and all the Israelites marched to Jerusalem, that is, Jabus. Jabus was actually the name of Jerusalem. It wasn't Jerusalem. Do you realize that the Israelites did not build Jerusalem? This will help you to understand. Do you realize there's a big problem in Israel right now in realm of the Palestinians and Israelis and whose land is it? The battle we've been watching going on, that's why you know, we don't realize how huge it was when our president said, hey, we're putting our consulate in, in, the, in the city of Jerusalem. The Palestinians say it's theirs because of the Jebusites. Jeb built it. He built that city. And it's so interesting, we don't realize it. I was thinking, oh, King David, he's going to take Jerusalem back. No, he never had it. He didn't build it. He was going to take the city because God said it was the promised land and everybody that's in there has got to go. It was God's gift to the Israelites, is this city. So in verse 8, it says, On that day, anyone... Oh, wait a minute, where am I at? What verse? I'm on Samuel 5.8. I'm on the right one. Anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those blind and lame. And then we looked at it in, in 1 Chronicles 4, 11, 4, it says, the Jebusites who live there, you will not get in. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now the city of David. This is the point. Whoever leads the attack on the Jebusites will become commander and chief of David's army. He will be my right-hand guy. He will be the main man. Anybody have any idea of who did it? Is it up there? Joab. You guys remember Joab? Joab, the one who killed Abner? I had to grasp for that one. My brain wasn't working. He's the one who killed Abner, and without permission of David, he killed Abner because Abner had killed his son, which I believe personally that it was accidental, but he's dead. 
And Joab went and killed Abner, and Abner was probably going to be David's number one man. So Joab, the son of Zerah, which is David's sister, which is Joab is David's nephew, he went up first, and so he received the command. He received the title of commander-in-chief because he was the first one to go up. Go to the next slide. This is just to give you an idea of what he did. See where it says Warren's shaft? He had to shimmy up that. You, you guys ever watch that Ninja Warrior show? You ever see how they climb up stuff with all four? Okay, he had to climb up that thing. It was 10 yards to, to that point where it starts taking off. It was like 75 feet. And you're going to get to see this if you, when, you, when you go, Tony, if you can look it up. You can get to see this, the shaft. I'm going to show you a picture in a second. He had to climb all the way up there using all fours, keep him from falling. And when you fall, it's fall to the death. He had to climb up that shaft, get into the city, go around and open up the gate. And then the troops came in and took the city. That's all the Bible gives us. It was an easy victory, and Joab was the guy who went up. Go to the next slide. This, oh, it doesn't show up very well. This is a picture of the tunnel, and you can see light in the center at the very end. That's a little better. This is where the tunnel began, and he had to crawl up straight up that tunnel using all four. You know, hanging on by, by nail and going up that thing. It's such an interesting thing. But there's something that we must see about this. Do you realize this is how God works through us? He's calling us all into ministry. And we need to see this. We see a city. You say, what city? Tuolumne. What city? Twain Hart. What city? How about Sosbyville? What city? How about Sonora? What city? How about Oakdale? How about Sacramento? We see a city that we're called to. We know that there is spiritual deficiencies in the city and nothing is happening. And they say, how do I get in? You shimmy up the shaft. You be the first one to make a move. You be the first one to go open a door. You be the first one to get in and see the spiritual needs that are in a city. That's what we're doing here. And you be the first one in. What did David say? You'll be my commander-in-chief. And God sees it the same way. We have to be able to get up off our duff and get going and shimmy up that shaft. The first one willing to take a chance. The first one willing to get off his... And go. This is what David said. He said, you, you be the first one in. You might say, well, I can't go. You know, you, you don't know my past. I'm not equipped. I don't have a degree in theology. Oh, now you, got, you, you better stop talking now because you're talking about me. I don't have a degree in theology either. Now, now you're capping on me because we, we think because we don't have a degree that it disqualifies us. And you're talking about your past. What about Joab? Do you remember his past? Wait until you see some more of his future. He was, he was a guy that was a loose cannon. He had issues, many of them. But God used him greatly. It's incredible how God uses those who are willing to step out in faith and shimmy up that shaft. 
and go start something that maybe you never thought. Maybe it's as simple as a Bible study in your house. Maybe it's just putting a group together at work where you come together at lunchtime and you meet together with a few guys at lunch. Shimmy up the shaft. Open the door. Be the first one in to bring Jesus Christ to your place. You know, do you realize that's why we're in church right now is to be equipped? This is all part of your growth. I didn't get to go to Bible school, and I'm not saying that I don't want you, any one of you young guys, you have an opportunity to go to seminary. I say go and get the training. I, I want to go at, at near 70 years old. I still want to go. But God has so blessed me. I didn't know how to read up till I was 40 years old. A lot of people don't realize that about me, but I, I couldn't read. I couldn't read a book. At best, I had a third grade reading level. And through reading of the Word of God, God has taught me how to read. And he has qualified for me to stand here and be here with you. So verse 7, I'm still in Chronicles, by the way. First Chronicles 11, 7. It says, David took up residence in the fortress. And so it was called City of David. He built up the city around it from the terraces to the surrounding wall. While Joab restored the rest of the city. Well, Joab was in there working. And David became more and more powerful because of the Lord Almighty was with him. God will continue to grow us and use us. And we become more powerful and more mighty in his presence. I, I don't ever care about I don't want to see the, my name on the front of this building. I want to see the name of our Lord Jesus Christ on the front of the building. I don't want to see. It's not about me raising myself up. It's about the word of God being raised up. So let's go back to 2 Samuel 5, 9. David then took up residence in the fortress. This is the same story, only now it's in Samuel. And called it the city of David. He built up the area around it from the terraces inward. Notice in Samuel, it doesn't say anything about Joab. It's kind of interesting. I don't know why, but it did in Chronicles. And he became more and more powerful because of what the Lord Almighty was doing in him. So let's continue on with the story with verse 11. Now King Haram, king of Tri, set, sent envoys to David along with cedar logs and carpenters and stone maces masons and they built a palace for david verse 12 then david knew that the lord had established him as king over israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people israel isn't this an interesting thing it took a palace to be built do you think it had anything to do with the palace come on think about it it, it, it meant something to David because all of a sudden they really do believe that I'm their king and, and they, they built me a palace. I mean, I think that had a little bit of something to do with his, his emotion, but I love what he said. he said. He said over Israel and had exalted him the kingdom for the sake of his people. It wasn't about David. And he always knew that. That's why we're looking at the life of King David. It was never about him. It was always about God's kingdom. And so now he has this palace that's being built, and he says, my gosh, these people really do, and God really has. 
And I believe that's what he's done here for me. I'm at a place now with this church that I feel like these people really do see me as their pastor. There was a time I wasn't sure. Can I be honest? I, I, you know, it's like I wasn't sure. I, I'm, a, I'm a talking head. I'm, I'm here filling the spot. I, 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 I don't know. But now I know. Now I know that I am leading this church, that it's not for me, it's for you. It's for what God can do through us in this place. Amen. Thank you for that amen. So verse 13, after he left Hebron, I don't know, David, what's going on here? Uh, you know, then we get into David, the other side. He took more concubines and wives in Jerusalem, and more sons and daughters were born to him. These, I, I think it's in here just to torment me and have to read these names. These are the names of the children from him, born to him there. Shamua, Shobab, Nathan I got, Solomon we recognize, Ibar, Elisha, Nepheg, Jaffa, Estelima, I can't even say this one, Elida, and Eliphet. The first time I seen that, I said elephant. And I thought, no, that can't be it. Maybe she was a big girl. I don't know. Just kidding. I don't know. But these are some of the names of the more kids that David was having with these incredible wives. I don't know. I don't have an answer as to why David understands the word of God. And he knows back in Deuteronomy he was told not to multiply wives. But he does. And that's all I have to say about that. 2 Samuel 5.17 now we have the Philistines coming back into the picture. He says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and he went down to the synagogue. He went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines, now the Philistines had come and spread out all of the valley of Rephaim. This is really interesting. Where have the Philistines been all this time? I mean, he's been over there in Judah for seven and a half years. They weren't worried about him over there. Now he's back into their territory where they, territory where they reside. And they know that God is with this guy. They hear the stories. And they figure, we've got to take him out early. We, we can't let these things go on. So David, what does he do? He goes down to the stronghold. You realize in the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul talks all about tearing down the strongholds. And you, and you go, wait a minute. Here you're talking about strongholds being a good thing. There, in the New Testament, we're talking about strongholds being a, a bad thing. Well, they are both. A stronghold can be a very good thing. This is our stronghold. Chad, you're having issues with your life, and you're going, what do I do? Do I go here? Do I go there? You come to the stronghold, and you bring it to God. Say, God, I need some answers, okay? 
and you bring it to God. That's what exactly what David was doing is to the stronghold. The problem, we've used it in the New Testament times, it gets to where the Apostle Paul was talking about it, is we uh, started relying on maybe alcohol or drugs or, or something else to calm down our brain that is being overworked because we can't make a decision. We can't figure out what to do. So I'll just have a few drinks tonight so I can sleep. And I get it, man, I get it. But I'm just going to have a little bit. And it develops a stronghold to where now... Every time you're in trouble, you go there instead of coming to the stronghold that is God. You start going to the things that you've developed. You have. Does that make sense to you? Because I want to make sure you understand, because we, we get in the New Testament, we're going to be talking about tearing down them strongholds. You go, whoa, wait a minute. I thought that's where we went, what we do. It, this is a stronghold, and this is exactly why you're here. It's exactly why we're all here to come and get relief from God and to bring to God the things that we need to know and need to learn so that we can better move on. So when the Philistines discovered that David was anointed king over Israel as well as over Judah, they went in full force to look for him. They weren't worried about him while he was in Judah. For them, the problem occurred when Israel, the northern tribes, asked David to be their king. The Philistine cities were in those lands of the northern tribes, and they feared David would wage war against them. So the Philistines entered the valley of Rephaim, located at the border between Judah and Benjamin on the west and southwest sides of Jerusalem. There they raided and plundered the inhabitants who were mainly Israelites. And David responded by going to God, by inquiring of God. So let's look at verse 20. It says, So David went to Baal-perazim, and there he defeated them, and says, As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies. He gives all the glory to God because he was able to defeat these guys. So that place was called Baal-perazim. The Philistines, they, they had to run so hard, they abandoned their idols there, and David's men carried them off. And I'm telling you, they carried them off to destroy them because the book of Deuteronomy told them to do so. They might have saved the gold or whatever, but they destroyed the idols. And you thought, once you beat that thing that you're going through, you thought, oh, this is it. I won. I took the idols. I burned them. I kicked alcohol. I kicked drugs. I got a job now. Hey, everything's good. My son is with me. My daughter's with me. Everything's going well. I mean, hey, things are good. You don't realize that there's going to be another battle. Because these guys, they came back again. Once more, verse 22, once more the Philistines came up and spread out through the valley of Rephidim. And you thought it was all over. Perhaps the Philistines were outrageous because of their, their previous defeat and David's destruction of their idols. It doesn't matter. They came back for more. Verse 23, so David inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord said, do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them 
in front of the poplar trees. These trees are called many different things. When we say poplar trees, we're thinking of something that's totally not what it is here. But these trees were like a huge grove, almost like a forest of these trees. So God told him, look, let's look at verse 24. As soon as you hear the sound of marching on the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezar, which is about 15 miles. So can you imagine this? How ridiculous this must have sounded to David's men. Okay, guys, I just talked to the Lord. We're going to move around to the front of the forest, and we're going to wait. Okay, David, what are we waiting for? Oh, mighty king, what are we waiting for? They're in there. We know they're in there. He says, well, guys, wait until we hear marching in the treetops. I think David's lost it. What? What, David? What did he say? Can you hear me? He had thousands of men. I got to the back line. What did he say? Something about the trees? They said, when he said, when you hear marching in the tops of treetops, that's when we're going to go in. David has lost his mind. We need to go now. No. He said to wait. Wait until we hear the marching. So let's look at verse 26. I don't have a 26. It ended in 25. Never mind. That's where the chapter ends. So let's go to Chronicles and see the rest of the story. He says in Chronicles 14, 15, it says, As soon as you hear the sound of marching on the tops of the trees, move out to battle, because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did, as God commanded, and they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezar. So David's fame went throughout the land, and the Lord made the nations fear him. So what was it? Was it the, the wind blowing through the trees? Or was it the Holy Spirit that was going through the trees? I mean, what was happening is the trees got to moving so violently that they started scratching each other and making a noise that sounded like men marching. And does it matter whether God used the wind or whether it was the Holy Spirit? Does it really matter? Because I believe the Holy Spirit's in the wind, and he could do whatever he chooses to do. But he said, when you hear it, that's when you go. And these guys were on a dead run in the opposite direction. They were falling over each other, and David was able to take them all out. And there was a few of them that got away. There's a few of them that got down to the Raphardum Valley, beyond that, to the little city of Gibeon, which was, was held by the Egyptians. And they go in there and they tell the Egyptians, you're not going to believe what just happened. David just wiped us all out. There was this marching in the trees. We don't know what was happening. But it sounded like there were millions of guys coming down on top of us. And, he, and we got away and we got here. So whatever you do, don't fight David. Don't fight the Israelites. 
and his fame began to grow throughout the land. And he will do the same thing for us as we win our battles. But the point of this is David thought he had won the battle. And here they go, and they come right back to the same valley, right back to the same situation. How many times have you been there, Damon, where you think you won that battle? And here it is, right here in front of you again. Right here. Right here again. Now we've got to go through it again. We've got to be ready. We've got to be built up. We've got to be strong. We've got to be ready to go into battle. And that's where David was. And what did David do? He brought it to the stronghold and he inquired of God. And I'm telling you, folks, that's why we're here today, to inquire God. Say, is this you? Do you really want me to go this way? Do you really want me to go that way? What, which way do you want me to go, God? How do I know? He's ready and willing to give you the answers. And sometimes the answers don't come the way you think they're going to come. Maybe they won't come until you shimmy up the shaft and step out in faith. Say, all right, God, I'm going to step out. And you step out and the door opens wide open. And you find that place where the Spirit of God was so hungry to be in. And people were so hungry to receive the Spirit of God. Could I get the worship team to come back up for just a minute? It's funny, I thought there was a verse 26. Huh? <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, go to verse 26. There isn't one, Pastor. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I get excited and I'm looking at my notes. I'm not looking at the Bible so I can make the letters really big. Just seemed like there should have been more there. Just seemed like it. But God is so good to us. While these guys play a little bit, I want to give opportunity to be able to pray for you. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you don't really understand. Maybe you're having to make decisions that you don't really like the decisions you're having to make. Is it right? Is it wrong? Do I go? Do I stay? What, Lord, what do I do? That's why we come to the stronghold. To bring it before God and say, God, I need your help in this decision. I need your help in, in this battle that I'm in the middle of. It's raging, Father, and I need, I need backup. I need support. I, I need more troops. Whatever's going on in the spiritual realm in your life, this is where you find it. So let's all stand together. As we worship, Father, I pray that you will stir in the hearts of your people and they will be bold enough to come together to be prayed for, to bring it to you, Father, to look for answers. In Jesus' name.